And it says, And there happened to be there a rebel whose name was Sheba, the son of Bichri, a Benjamite, and he blew a trumpet and said, We have no share in David. Now, remember, he's a Benjamite. Um, he says, no, no, We have no share in David, nor do we have any inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his tents, O Israel. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. After David arrived in Jerusalem, he was faced with an insurrection. The scripture says, So every man of Israel, which were the northern ten tribes, deserted David and followed Sheba, the son of Bakri. Sheba took advantage of David's weakened position after Absalom's failed rebellion and the ongoing conflict between Judah and the other ten tribes. We might say that it is in the nature of men to divide. As Christians, we have to be held together by the Holy Spirit. We don't make the unity of the Holy Spirit. We keep the unity of the Holy Spirit. And we must keep what he makes. Now let's join Pastor Rob. We're getting close to the end of uh, 2 Samuel, and we'll begin the first book of Kings, where we see the David's reign ending and his son Solomon taking over in his, in his place. It's been very interesting as we have been going through the last several chapters because we've seen David, you know, when I think of what David went through, it's really remarkable. You know, the the Bible says that he reigned for 40 years, okay, for 40 years, and yet in a condensed form, I mean, there's a lot that, you know, I mean, when you think about it, First and Second Samuel, the, the majority of it is about David. And yet there are many years in between these events and these chapters that we've read. Think about that, 40 years. And so we've seen David's the best of times. We've seen him at his worst of times. And, and one of the things that I've, uh, I love about David is that he's not one of those fellows that when he gets into trouble... He just continues going into a downward spiral, and then you hear about his dismal end. Um, Saul was really that character who started off, he had all the tools, God had given him everything, but he didn't finish well at all. But David learned from his mistakes, and David wasn't a perfect man. And I want to encourage you tonight again, because as, you, as we read through Samuel, and as we, we're coming close to the end of Second Samuel, as we have read and as we will continue to read, bear that in mind, because the Bible says that God fashions our hearts alike. Meaning that when it really comes down to it, you and I 
all have the same desires. I mean, we all want to be loved. We all want to be accepted. We all want to excel. We all get hungry. We all get lonely. We all get frustrated. We all have moments of, you know, where we feel like we're on top of the world and other moments where we feel like we're in the valley of despair, the pit of despair. (laughs) And so all these emotions. And the Bible makes no excuse about these things when when we look at the, the people who lived back at this time. And David is one of them. You know, one of the things I love about him is that you just see him going through the heights and the depths, and all the while he's learning. And I don't know about you, but I feel like I've grown with David as we've gone through this, these two books, First and Second Samuel. Learned so much from David's life, and one of the things that I'm learning is is never to give up, never give up. And when you make a mistake, when you sin. Don't allow it to, don't allow for sin to beget sin to beget sin because that ultimately leads us to death, right? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, right? And so we know that. But David was, when he made a mistake, he, he turned from it and he made a lot of mistakes. But guess what? The Bible calls him the sweet psalmist of Israel. He wrote many of the psalms. And he also, he learned, and he grew, and he changed. And I would encourage you to do the same. And we ought to find ourselves in very good company as we look at David, because I don't know about any of you, but my life has been a, a series of, of ups and downs, and that is true for most of us. Most of us have ups and downs. I don't know of any person who's alive on the planet or whoever will live that will encounter anything but that. And and God has a funny way, an interesting way, of making sure that we go through those peaks and valleys. It's just part and parcel of being a human being, right? And so as we get into chapter 20, David is coming back into Jerusalem. He's already been, you know, his his sin with Bathsheba has already taken place. We see his, uh, his children... Uh, rising up against him. We see all these problems that he's having. And then we see David um, finally having to leave Jerusalem because one of his sons, Absalom, is trying to depose him as king and set himself on the throne. And by the way, there's going to be another son, yet future, to our narrative tonight that's going to do the same thing. This is not over yet for David. And so he leaves Jerusalem. He flees in exile because his son and an army is coming that he's amassed. And and David goes across the Jordan River on the east side to a city called Mahanaim, a fortress. And there he amasses his army. And ultimately, in the end of this army, this battle that would ensue, we find out that Absalom's son, who was seeking to be king himself, he ends up dying in battle, getting caught in the thicket of a tree And Joab, David's nephew, ends up killing David's son. And David said for nobody to touch the king's son, but Joab was a bloodthirsty man. We're going to see tonight that things haven't changed for Joab. He's just one of these guys. He's a very loyal man, but he's not a very obedient man. And I think loyalty and obedience are two great ingredients for any person, especially those who are working for somebody. If you're an employee, it's really wonderful to be loyal and to be obedient. 
Because one without the other is just not the same. But when you've got an individual who's loyal and obedient, there's nothing greater that a, an employer could have. But Joab was such an individual. He was loyal, but he was not obedient. He was a bloodthirsty man. And so let's look at chapter 20. Um, what has happened, um, we know. When we were looking at chapter 19 last week, David was coming into Jerusalem, and David um, comes in. He encounters Shimei, the very man who disdained him, who scorned him, and threw rocks and sand at him and his family as they left in exile. And now they're coming back, and they are being. Uh, and now he meets Shimei again, this scorner, and now he's changed his tune. How convenient for uh, him to change his tune, but he does. And he also meets Mephibosheth, and Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son, Jonathan who had died along with his father in battle. And now Mephibosheth is the only one of Jonathan's uh, sons that are still alive. And the only one, I believe. And so David comes into Jerusalem, and there was a, a, a quarrel amongst the Ten tribes. When you, when you think of, of Israel from now on going forward, you need to think of it like this. Most of us, when we think of Israel, we think of the whole entire nation. But Israel, from here going forward, you're going to find that there's going to be, there, there's already been a split. There's been a fracture in the relationship of the northern ten tribes and the southern two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, down in the south. The other ten tribes in the northern part, there is already a fracture. And we're going to see that tonight as we get into chapter 20. And one of the interesting things is, is that initially when David was coming back into Jerusalem after his exile, it was really Israel, those northern ten tribes that were really I'm wondering, you know, now that Absalom is dead, and by the way, we were on his side, so oops for us, but now they're thinking, you know, we should bring back the king, and let's kind of do it quickly and, and, and beg his forgiveness, right? And so the northern ten tribes, they speak of this. We should probably bring back the king, but what happened was is Judah, they are there, and they're right there on the spot, and, and they're bringing the king and his whole family, his whole entourage across the Jordan River in a ferry boat, and finally, they get from there, and they go up to Gilgal. And when they get to Gilgal, the men of Israel come around, and they're really mad now because it was really kind of their idea, but they weren't there to actually go through with it. They, 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 they took too long, and Judah had already brought him into, into, the, into the area and crossed the Jordan, and the men of Israel were upset about that. And what I find so interesting about this is here we're going to see just the beginning of the fracture. The fracture has already happened long ago. Have you ever had a relationship where there's been this, this, this problem? There's been a friction. There's been a problem. And then um, as time goes on, there's another problem. And it just never seems to heal. It just never seems to heal. You know, it's like when you break a piece of pottery and you keep gluing that piece and then you knock it over and, the, and you glue it back together again, it just it never wants to really adhere like it used to. And finally, there's going to come a point in the future from this time where they're just going to make the declaration, say, you know what? We're going to stay up here and have our own king. You guys can stay down there and have your own king. And the nation, the kingdom divides with the northern ten tribes called Israel or Ephraim, and then the southern two tribes, Judah and Benjamin. And so from now on, when we say Israel, think of the northern ten tribes 
And usually when they say Judah, it's meaning Judah and Benjamin together, okay? So just know that as you go forward. That's important to know. So let's look now at chapter 20, and we're just going to read. I would encourage you to read the whole chapter for the sake of time tonight, because we may get through chapter 21 as well. But let's look at chapter 20. Notice what it says. And it says, And there happened to be there a rebel whose name was Sheba, the son of Bichri, a Benjamite. And he blew a trumpet and said, We have no share in David. Now, remember, he's a Benjamite. Um, He says, We have no share in David, nor do we have any inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his tents, O Israel. And you may notice in the margin of your Bible, it says Sheba, and it uh, it says a man of Belial. Um, some of your Bibles will have that footnote. And, and basically, a man of Belial, it's, it's a Greek word, and it basically means a worthless person, somebody who is um, a wicked person, somebody who is worthless. And there's a lot of men of Belial <laughs> in, in our world today, right? And so this man wasn't a good man at all. He wasn't a good man. He was the, he was the son of Benjamin, of, of the tribe of Benjamin, he was from that family of, of, of Benjamin. It tells us that in 1 Chronicles 7, verse 6. But notice it says, We have no share. This is what his exclamation. We have no share in David, nor do we have an inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his tents, O Israel. This phrase literally is a declaration of war, is really what this is. And so already the rift between the north and the south, is, is becoming more obvious as we go along. In fact, in 1 Kings, off to the margin of your Bible, you might want to write this scripture reference. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 16. And the reason you want to write that in your Bible is because there, there's coming a time, as I was telling you before, that the kingdom's ultimately going to split. There's going to be a fracture and it would never heal. And in 1 Kings chapter 12, the same thing happened when... Uh, when Solomon's son, Rehoboam, when he was really rough with the people, and um, that he said that now all, when all Israel saw that the king, meaning Rehoboam, did not listen to them, the people answered the king, saying, What share have we in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel. Now see to your own house, O David. So Israel departed to their tents. It sounds, it's a very familiar phrase. And we're hearing it here in chapter 20. But the idea is, we're done with you. We're going to fight. We're gonna, we're gonna, there's going to be tension. We're going to have a battle. Or we're just going to separate. It's a, it's a declaration of independence, in a sense, for them. And so this is starting to happen. And notice in verse 2, So every man of Israel deserted David. Notice the men of Israel, the northern ten tribes, they desert David. And they follow Sheba, this rogue individual, this man of Belial, this worthless man. They follow Sheba, the son of Bichri. But the men of Judah, from the Jordan as far as Jerusalem, they remain loyal to their king. And obviously David is from Judah, and so his people are loyal to him. And thank God for that. And you know, as as you think about this, think of how difficult this must be for David. You know, you were king, now your, your, your son tries to depose you, you go into exile. I mean, hasn't David seen enough trouble already? I mean, as we've looked at his life, he's been through a lot of trouble. He was hunted by Saul for many years, at least seven years, he's hunted by Saul. 
he finally gets into the you know in, into the kingship into the into his reign and he he makes some very poor choices and as a result of that it yields a bumper crop of consequences and if that wasn't bad enough for david now he's got to flee and he's out there away from his city away from jerusalem and now he comes back and the, the country deserts him except for his one tribe, which he had in the beginning when he was king over Hebron for seven years. So he's back to square one again, it seems. And so it's amazing how fickle people can be. You know, when you look at verse 2 there, the the men of Judah from the Jordan as, uh, as far as Jerusalem, they remain loyal to the king, but the other ones, they, they desert David. And, uh, and yet they were the first ones that wanted the king back. But the, the men of Judah were the first ones to bring him back. And the other men, they get all bent out of shape about it. and they, So much so that this man, this man of Belial, he turns against David and every uh, one from Israel flees from David. So now David's back at square one. It says in verse 3 now, Now David came to his house at Jerusalem, and the king took the ten women, his concubines, whom he had left to keep the house, and he put them in seclusion and supported them, but he did not go into them. Remember, David had wives, and he also had concubines. And, um, and these women, obviously, he would have physical relations with them, even though God had told him that it was not a good thing for him to do. And yet he did it. And so there are consequences for those things when we go against the will of God. And so he did not go into them, but he shut them up until the day of their death, living in widowhood. And if you remember, it was um, you can put a reference off to verse 3 here, because back in chapter 16, uh, verse 20, remember it was Ahithophel, David's counselor, and also Bathsheba's grandfather, he puts into the heart of Absalom, as, as Absalom comes in to depose his father, he says, Absalom, if you really want to do this, if you really want to do this, then the way to seal the deal, to make sure that everybody knows that you're the king now, you've got to go up on top of that house of, of David's, and you've got to sleep basically with his harem, with those ten ladies. And that's exactly uh, what Absalom did. And so when David returns into Jerusalem, he doesn't just take them back into his harem again. They've been defiled by his son, unlawfully, wickedly. And so what does David do? He provides for them. I mean, they, they had a great life. I mean, he was the king and he provided well for them, but he, he didn't go in unto them and they remained widows until the day of their death. But those ladies were taken care of. And so that's what happened here. So verse 4, And the king said to Amasa, Assemble the men of Judah for me within three days, and be present here yourself. Amasa, remember, was another nephew of David, as well as Joab and Abishai. Remember, Joab was the, and Abishai, they were the sons of David's sister, Zeruiah. Zeruiah. Because one of the things to remember, or, or to think about, is that David, uh, David's father was Jesse, and we don't know his mother's name, or at least I don't, I don't remember what, I don't know if it mentions her name, but she was actually previously married to another man, and she and, and the husband that she had 
had two girls, and they were Zeruiah and Abigail. And so whatever happened, that man may have died. We don't really know much about the relationship. But then she remarries Jesse, and now these two girls come into the family, Zeruiah and Abigail. And through the, the woman and Jesse, they have eight sons, one of which is David. And so David's got these two half-sisters, Zeruiah and Abigail. Well, it's Zeruiah, she actually got married and had sons, and um, Abishai and Joab were two of those. And Amasa was the son of Abigail. So David's other half-sister has another son named Amasa. And so you see a lot of nepotism in the Old Testament like this, especially in the king's. And so, and the king said to Amasa now, because he's kind of had it. David has kind of had it with Joab, because Joab is loyal, but he's not obedient. And he's like a loose cannon. You know, David will say to do one thing, and Joab will do another. And there, there came a point, and we're seeing it right here in ink, that David is just kind of like, you know, I've had it with this guy. He's my, he's my nephew. I love him, but I can't trust him. He's, he doesn't do what I tell him to do. He doesn't obey. He's a loyal to a fault. He's a loyal man. He'll do anything to keep David on the throne, but he's not listening to him. And that's a big problem. And so the king said to Mesa, assemble the men of Judah for me within three days. Notice, and present them here for me. He didn't ask Joab. <laughs> he asked Amasa because David's already made up his mind. I want Amasa to be my commander of my army. And so Amasa went to assemble the men of Judah, but he delayed longer than the set time which David had appointed for him. And David said to Abishai, now remember, Abishai is Joab's brother. So when you put these, when you think about these relationships, I would encourage you to think in that way when you read the Bible because the, the dynamics of this thing gets really thick. And as soon as you start realizing the, the relationship and the connection in all of this, you're going to, and start really thinking about it as you read it, it'll really open up new facets of these things to you. It won't just be a history. It'll be like, it's a real-life story. It's a real-life event, events that are happening. And so he, he delayed longer than the set time which David had appointed for him. And David said to Abishai, Now Sheba, now Sheba the son of Bichri, will also do us more harm than Absalom. Take your Lord's servants and pursue him, lest he find for himself fortified cities and escape us. And so Joab's men, with the Cherethites, the Pelethites, and all the mighty men, we'll talk about them later, they went after him, and they went out, out of Jerusalem to pursue Sheba the son of Bichri. So now Joab gets wind of this. And, and Joab goes out, and they are going to hunt down this Sheba, this rogue man of Belial, this worthless man who's creating more problems. And David was wise enough at this time to realize that as soon as you have somebody who's against you like that, it, it's just not going to stop. It's just not going to stop. Have you ever noticed that? More often than not, whenever you have an enemy, if you haven't made peace with that enemy, if you haven't been able to sit with them and talk with them face to face, and there's real repentance, chances are the hatred, the bitterness, the intrigue, the conspiracy is just going to continue and continue. And so David's already feeling this in his heart, that this guy is up to no good. And so he's already had enough of intrigue and conspiracy. And so he's like, I got, we got we to gotta get rid of this guy. We got to catch him. And so, right or wrong, that's what David is doing. He sent his men, 
And these Cherethites and these Pelethites, these are basically hired mercenaries, and they're very loyal men. They, they, most of them came from the Philistines when David was in the Philistine, when he was in cahoots with them before he became king. That concludes our time for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.